Hello and welcome to episode 196 of G.I. Joburg. Today we discuss Lego Joes with our master builder, it's Magnus Laglo. We've also got the boys, Paul, Rob, and your host, Steve. Hello everybody, hey, how are we doing? Hey! Magnus, welcome back to the show. We had you on, I think, uh, you mentioned it to me, was it episode 112? It was 126, which oh, is... Oh, I'm out. <laughs> it, 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 it's an interesting number for me, actually, because that's the exact number of the issue when I got back into the G.I. Joe comic, which is the issue where Firefly reveals himself in certain ways. Incredible. <laughs> Easy for, anyone wanting, for anyone wanting a further identikit on Magnus, go back to episode 126. But today... Well, firstly, for anyone listening to this podcast, uh, my apologies. This is going to be a very visual heavy podcast. So if you are listening to this on your commute or at work or just doing the garden, uh, maybe uh, flick onto the YouTube when you have the chance because we are going to be unveiling Magnus's most recent Lego creations. These are strictly G.I. Joe Lego creations and they are incredible if I do say so myself. So well worth giving the YouTube version a watch. But first, our usual segment. Let's get it out of the way, boys, because I believe, Paul, you've got a few new things kicking around. You should! <laughs> <laughs> What's it gonna be, buddy? Well, oh. let's let's be polite about this. Magnus, is there anything uh, particularly new that you'd like to highlight uh, in your collection at the moment? Um, not that I want to highlight quite yet, but that is there are not non-Lego G.I. Joe things that I will be uh, perhaps highlighting online. Okay. Ready to, not, not quite ready to, uh, to, sort of to show them off yet. <laughs> good, good, good. A sense of anticipation builds, very important. Uh, okay, Paul, well, in that case, I guess it's, it's all you, baby. Yay! Okay, I'll start off with the miscellaneous and I'll end off with the G.I. Joe stuff. But the cool thing is, uh, this is a box I've been waiting for for a while. Uh, it's been sitting at my good friend uh, Bart Simon's house, um, as he's been my sort of uh, middleman, my mule. Um, and he helped me pick up some very cool choice items. The first one being um, the Studio Series 86 Grimlock from Transformers. Wow! Such a cool toy! I finally have a Grimlock. In my life uh the last time i had a grimlock was the original 1980s version the takara one actually the g1 and i used to love that toy so much so that david literally just gave it to me at first i, I was borrowing it and he's like you really like that toy and i'm like yeah i really do because he's like you're always asking if you can borrow it i'm like yes and he's like you can have it i'm like yes <laughs> anyway Jeez, dude is that how it works <laughs> yeah, i don't have a friend was... like that i'm afraid I was just, I think David was just sort of at that stage in his life, maybe kind of done with Transformers um, in a weird way. And he had his favorites and he just knew I loved this toy so much. So I had it. And anyway, so now I've got the studio series back in and for a quick review, it's amazing. You should have one. If you don't have a Grimlock, get it. If you've got a masterpiece Grimlock, maybe you can skip over the, this one. If you don't and you're like me and you can't really spend like $300 on a masterpiece Transformers, figure then get yourself a nice sweet $50 Grimlock and he is so sexy and I see there's a slag on the way as well and um so that's pretty cool next thing uh some Ninja Turtle stuff I got Baxter Stockman and a foot soldier from the Super 7 Ultimates line very cool toys as well the Baxter Stockman has been a major surprise 
Um, so cool to have that in my collection. Also, fantastic toy. If you guys haven't had a chance to check out Ultimate Ninja Turtle stuff, do so. If you're a Turtles fan, grab your favorites from this line. They are fantastic. Um, then, winding into some G.I. Joe. Uh, well, I, okay, I don't want to mention anything He-Man today. Um, going into G.I. Joe, I am sure, Paul? Hey? We're are having such sure? a good run of no, no mentions of He-Man stuff. <laughs> so... I, I, okay, I'm going to throw the He-Man thing in just because it's got a story, which is pretty cool. So I saw, I finally got an idea to get one of those. <laughs> he tried. He really tried. He resisted. Happened to the I resisted. So yeah. I was on holiday for the last uh, week, uh, week and a little bit. Um, I went down to the Western Cape, um, to the Garden Route, and more specifically a place called Wilderness, which is in Georgia. Which explains your absence on the last podcast. That's so why I wasn't there. Now. Yes. And oh, the last um, two, in fact, jeez, Paul. I never yeah. thought I'd say this, but we've been we've been starved of you, buddy. People are asking, like, is he okay? <laughs> Which is very sweet. I appreciated that. But also listening back to those episodes, there's like this is like quiet. <laughs> and then you guys will pipe in like, oh, I'm sure Paul will have something to say. <laughs> and then I laughed. And then I cried. And then I laughed again. Um so anyway, I got it in my head to get one of those He-Man sky sled thingies. And, you know, then I was, I couldn't find any anymore because they'd all been sold out in the stores here. And I even thought, okay, maybe I'll buy one from an online retailer here in South Africa. And I was like, ah, you know, whatever. So I go to the only toy shop that I visited while I was on holiday, which was a Toys R Us in a place called Garden Root Mall. And then they, ha they actually had two of those sky sleds there, which comes with Prince Adam. And yeah, I picked one of those up, which is pretty cool. So I bought a toy on holiday, which is nice. Um, anyway, enough about that. My other, my first GI Joe thing is I got a retro hiss, yay! Um, and I know that Steven's already done a pretty awesome unboxing. I I've got another experience for YouTube planned. I actually did quite a little bit of uh, footage when I was in. When I say a little bit of, like very little bit of footage uh, when I was on holiday, specifically for this un uh, not unboxing, but the hiss retro his experience so stay tuned on uh, to that one it should be out this week should be um and lastly i got a dress blues gung-ho courtesy of bart thank you very much my dude um because that actually caps off that um that year for me because steven's got a crazy legs that he's keeping aside for me which i should see in 2038 or whenever he comes back to south africa um but thankfully i now have yeah 2030 oh, okay well that's positive uh, but yeah, I finally got a, a Dress Blues Gung Ho, and he's a really cool toy, and kind of weird that he has hair. Like, he's got hair. Yeah, so his hat doesn't come off, but he's got, like, sculpted hair just below the sort of rim of the hat. It's interesting, at the back. No. So, like, that was unusual. I, I, it's funny, I didn't ever regard him as bald, and I'll tell you why, because in the teens of the G.I. Joe comic book, he's depicted as having, like, um closely cropped hair it, it's not completely uh you know cue ball um so it, it it seems strange to me that that eventually he was represented as a, as a bald guy though if you look at the classified version he's got a mohawk so there's that yeah true well gung-ho dress blues is now officially going to be named major dad gung-ho <laughs> because he's oh, very yeah, major yeah. dad <laughs> and um anyway and then something really cool. I found a cesspool, GI Joe. Um, 
at a local cellar. Yeah, I've got a complete, well, when I say complete, a, an intact cesspool with his helmet, no rebreather, no gear, no cool chainsaw or backpack squirty thing. Boom. But I finally have a pool in my collection, which makes me very happy. And I, I don't know, I want to kind of dive back in my memory here because I, you know, I typically do find parts of my old G.I. Joe collection and I don't recall actually giving my handing my cesspool over to david for any kind of customization and i don't know why but there's something about the cesspool that tells me that this was my cesspool i know it's far-fetched and it's like really super crazy to believe but here's the one piece of evidence it had a broken uh peg in its back for its, where its backpack was and i recall actually breaking that peg as well when i was a kid so maybe it's like a common fault but there's just something about it that just feels like hmm I feel like we've we've met before kind of thing. Have you guys ever had that like an uncanny oh wait, Stephen, you wouldn't have. I mean you've still got all of your childhood shows. But it's just it's a weird feeling. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. You know, maybe it's maybe. a neat story. Uh, it reminds me of something that my mother used to tell me that uh her she had a school teacher whose favorite writing assignment was for the class to write about a co a coin or a note, a sort of money note that had kind of changed hands and all the various people that it had gone through, uh, which seems a bit tedious to be honest, but it's, it, you know, it's, it's a, it's a, it's an interesting device to kind of peer into these various different lives. And in the same way, these toys that have traded hands so many times and seen the years um, have stories to tell. Like it's fascinating to me, like the more played with ones particularly because Mm. Unplayed with Joe's, it's almost a crime. I'm like, it's dead mint, which means no one ever had any fun with it. <laughs> There's no history to to at least playing with it, even if yeah. it may yeah, have yeah. been someone on a shelf for a while. Mm. Well, you yeah. know, a bit of shelf time is fine, but like, show me a little bit of paint wear and a little bit of sun damage that just indicates to me that this thing has had adventures. Um, I'm staring at a toy that has had a lot of adventures right now because it is my childhood favorite shockwave Ooh. figure, which mm. I have in my possession with me in Australia. It's one piece that kind of follows me everywhere. And I am very happy to report in this new shit section that courtesy of Joe Mauler works on YouTube, check out his channel. Awesome stuff. Um, he is complete. He has oh, he got his, his sword. His sword, his gigantic <laughs> combat knife. I have it. The original, beautiful. Joe put together quite a fun little, um, I suppose, choose your weapon uh, option. A attached to the note that he sent were three knives taped. And he was like, uh, one of these is the correct knife. Choose one <laughs> I mean, of course, I knew it by sight, but and the other two, I think, are actually three D printed. Very nice, uh, very impressive. Uh, Joe seems to be up to all sorts of good stuff. If you check out his channel, I think the most recent uh, slew of videos that you'll see is a conversion for a warthog to not only be remote control, but to be waterproof as well, and to fire off uh, little jets that will allow it to be controlled in the water. Wow. <laughs> it's insane insane what incredible stuff this guy can fit into a, a warthog chassis and i mean of course along with the warthog he's done extensive work on the mauler just like a channel that i highlighted last week that being a mm -hmm. action robot punch well 
Uh, it that seems cool, Joe yeah. Mauler Works has has paved the way ahead of us all. Um, and if I ever chose to gut a beloved warthog, that is exactly what I want to attempt to do. Aww. Rob, what's new in your life, my brother? New stuff, yo? No, nothing new yet, unfortunately. Um, I'm still, I'm still kind of treading water, as it were. I, I still don't know like the situation with our like postal system, whether like ordering stuff is even possible. So I worry about even attempting to like order stuff. Yet. From overseas, Rob, or locally? Well, like or overseas. I don't think I've tried locally ever. Yeah, locally, Postnet to Postnet is the safest um, ah. if you can. Um, and a lot of shops seem to uh, do that. Uh, when I say shops, I'm talking about like geeky shops. Uh, there's a guy in Bloemfontein I buy Ninja Turtles from. He does that. It's a place called Red Claw Comics. And I feel like they should get some credits. So I'm giving them the credit, if, even if yeah, they don't listen yeah. to the show. Um, what shook your faith in the postal service to begin with, guys? Like, what's <laughs> changed post-COVID back in SA? Catch me up. I don't know. I think um, initially, like, the postal service was completely closed down. Okay. Um, and then since then, I haven't heard any new news about, like, how they're operating yet or not. To I me, mean, my grandmother is supposed to receive a lot of accounts through the mail. And <laughs> I think most of those don't arrive still. Mm -hmm. So... From my experience, at least, it doesn't seem like everything is going through the way it used to. So, yeah, and an interesting thing from my side is that um, before lockdown started, I'd ordered two miniature figures from a, sto a, a store in Russia and another one from a store in Ukraine. And it literally took a year to get you. Um, yeah. And and if you look at mm. if you look at the the incept dates, you know, on the on the on the on the package. It had, it had actually arrived in South Africa three months after that, but it sat in our local warehouse in the postal distribution center for like a year. Nine months. Oy, oy, oy. Yeah. Hey, guys, collecting in South Africa. It's jungle out there. Brutal. <laughs> but then, but then my, uh, a friend of mine, Jeffrey, who bought some model kits from a Japanese site, he got his stuff like, and he used like a, a normal shipping, like EMS or whatever, and he got his stuff within a month and they actually phoned him to say his parcel had arrived i never wow. get that so Paul, you yeah, had a positive experience when you received a classified storm shadow from amazon yes but that was but amazon used ups i and, see yeah you see so like uh, even now like even with the stuff that i sent myself from bot i sent it with um a company called my us and then they had the option to send it for you as fedex uh, through fedex but they're so cool with what they do because uh, they don't care about the size of the box. They only care about the weight. So if the box is quite tall and wide, but it only weighs, say, say five kilograms, you're paying five kilograms, which works out to about, it's about $70 or $80, which sounds like a lot, but, you know, five kilograms of toys is actually quite a lot of stuff. Mm. So, yeah. So uh, that's what I've been using, and that's been very reliable for me. Um, it just, I have to like save up towards it, you know, and be like, okay, today I'm shipping. <laughs> and gets you, I'm like, yeah. Well, as it should be, to be honest, uh, the amount of frivolous single figures that I've bought over the years, you know, the shipping really starts to add up. Uh, mm. Whereas if you were able to pull your swag, have a loot crate, as it were, uh, much smarter. Anyways. This is uh, this is riveting stuff, boys. Talking about the minutia <laughs> of the postal system, we've got far more important things to talk about. We have GI Joe Lego to talk about, and yes, this is official Lego, right, Magnus? You don't dabble yes. in those knockoff brands. 
Mega blocks. I do not dabble in knockoff bricks. Um, I do use certain elements from third-party uh, places. Like, for example, the vast majority of the minifig uh, weapons I use are from a mm. place Brick Arms. Um, <laughs> I've seen that. Yeah, sorry. Because uh, Lego doesn't uh, produce that sort of thing. And yep. um, I sometimes use... Um, tank treads from uh, Brick Mania because they produce tank treads in a style and size that Lego doesn't produce. So there is a oh. little, uh, it's not 100% purist, but it's, uh, I'm not using like bricks and plates and colors that Lego doesn't give us from, I don't get, I don't get that from uh, a, a, an alternative, you know, mega blocks sure, or anything. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now, Magnus, I there's a recurring theme to your creations, and anyone who wants to browse them at their leisure can check them out on your Flickr account. Yes. The link will be in the description on both uh, the podcast and the YouTube version. But uh, I so yeah, I would advise anyone to take a look at it at their leisure and pour over these images and the minutia that you have included in these vehicles. Like the detail is incredible um and a lot of the design work has somewhat embellished what hasbro created mm -hmm. um almost making up for the limitations of the toys back in the day i'm curious to know what your main driving criteria are when redesigning a, an original hasbro um well let me start out by showing a couple of examples of that so people can kind of see what you're talking about gladly um, we're going to bump you full screen. Well, here, here's an example of something that I, uh, this is a, a recognizable vehicle, I think, to everyone. Oh, yes. His tank. Uh, this is a his tank. This has actually uh, not been redesigned so much at all. I, I decided to go with gray instead of black on the his tank. Um, mm. uh, it, this is actually fairly close to the original. It's got uh, rolling, uh, rolling tracks. Um, it's got a little bit of a rolling track. That ah, is so excellent. Clever. It's a hiss oh. with a back hatch, kind of similar to yes. the hiss too. Um, but this is oh, a, I love how that works. This is it seems like the inspiration was to to expand the hiss, give it more of a role. Well, the thing is, is this is actually a more recent one I built uh, because I wanted to build a hiss tank that was pretty close to the original. Uh, the first hiss I built, which is a thing I, I talked about last time uh, I was on, is this. This is the first G.I. Joe Lego uh, mm. I ever built. And this was, you know, uh, I don't know, 10 years ago or so now. So this is a, this was my take on the hiss. The hiss tank always bothered me because there was no protection for the gun, at least not from the sides and the top. So in this case, I've given uh, a, a, a turret with you can see there's a spot for the for the gunner in there. Very Ooh. nice. And he's completely enclosed the in there. One. Yep. It it ended up being kind of a cross between a regular his and his too, because the, the front opens up like that. That's how the guy gets in and out in front. Ah, it has a jaw. Very nice. Yes. And it almost does look snake like, whereas the his two doesn't. Thank you. Yeah, it does it, it defies its kind of like 
I suppose, uh, beast mode. Uh, it doesn't, yes. doesn't quite look like a jaw, whereas yours opens very much like a, a snake jaw. Um, in the back, it's got a little hatch for sticking, you know, a gun out and sort of firing out a little bit. If you have <laughs> guys back here, and there's space for, uh, in addition to the the gunner, there's space for other mm -hmm. guys to sit back here. Excellent little fire team. Yes, exactly. Um, so this is a good example of me taking a look at the an original design and being like, I think I can improve upon that a little bit. I like the idea, but I want it to, you know, I want the, the guy to be protected on top. I I like elements of the HIST-2, um, but I don't necessarily want to replicate the HIST-2 for other reasons. Mm. So this is... Uh, it seems to me like an idealized version of the HIST. Like if the toy designers had more um, budget to throw at their design. Because the Hiss, I think we can all agree, I mean, Paul, you're about to have the experience of clipping one together. It's mm. a fairly basic toy. It's, mm. you know, yeah, there isn't a great deal. Because it doesn't have tracks that move uh, and also the doesn't really have very substantial molding in here. Mm. Yes, there's no gap between the tracks. It's just a solid right. lump. Um, so one yeah. of the things about Lego is I think um, the G the three and three quarters scale I think is a really good scale for action figures, but it's not a great it's not an ideal scale in my opinion for vehicles because vehicles end up just being very very big and they often get scaled down because they need to fit on toy shelves and be affordable. So like the the Rattler is basically a, a smushed A10. If it were the size of a real A10 compared in scale to the action figure, it would be at least twice as long, if not more so, I think. Hmm. So yeah, that's true. With, with Lego, you get a lot more freedom of actually scaling things correctly, which is really awesome. Yes. Um, and that isn't to say they can't be fairly big, especially when you get into airplanes. But um, they, uh, they can certainly um, be a little more manageable you know, you're not you're not dealing with holding up something that is just way too big um, to to handle. If you think of how hard it is for a, a child to a young child to hold up a sky striker, keep it <laughs> true. Scale yeah, down true. F14. If it were, so there are benefits to the Lego scale, Lego mini, the minifig scale in, in that you you're not working with things that are quite so so big. But that's something like I want to comment on quickly is that. Uh, that, and it stands out about your stuff is that when all the hatches and everything are closed, it's got such a realistic sort of scaled look. Um, you know, when it comes to your jets and to your traded vehicles and all that stuff. But then it's also great that it's got that Lego-ness to it, you know? So the, your Lego characters actually fit in there. The mini, the minifigures fit in and they all work. And to me, that's like a major achievement because you know, if, if you look at like one of Lego's failings is when they make cars, they generally make them, they're like cute scale. They don't always look mm -hmm. like legit cars in Lego form, unless they are specifically going for that through like the creator line. But then you often mm -hmm. can't fit a driver in there. So that's something about your work that like blows me away as, as a Lego fan. Because damn. <laughs> and Lego has the opposite problem in scale because because minifigs are, are kind of chunky. Mm. If you want to fit... Uh, if you want to build a, a car for a Lego, Lego mini field fixed scale, if you want to fit four or five people in the back of that car, the car is going to be 
so large that if you have a minifig on the outside, the car looks too big. But if you have yeah. it looks correct compared to minifigs standing outside of it, then there won't be space for a whole lot of figs inside. So that's almost like the opposite challenge you have. Mm. Um, I think it's easier if you're building, you know, airplanes and tanks that are, that are a little bigger um, as opposed to two very small vehicles. But um, yeah, scale, uh, building Lego is often a, um, an exercise in compromise between aesthetics and functionality and scale. Mm. Um, and Steve, I think you were asking me about how I go about sort of updating the Hasbro designs. Yeah, I, th I think if you were to boil down your primary motivating factor, would it be a, a quest for realism? So adding I, uh, hatches that enclose the cockpits, um, I, armor, weapon systems that are current. Um, yeah. You, you, you've done a great job updating the Battle Force 2000 most recently and kind oh, of taking, taking like those it. designs and making a little bit more real-world sense of them. The, the Battle Force 2000 stuff, I think, uh, are, are, are cool aesthetic designs that suffer from the functionality where they try to have them split apart and, and do a, a separate, almost like Transformers combiner type feature that just didn't mm -hmm. quite work. But if you look at the, the basic um, look of the Battle Force 2000 vehicles, they do, uh, they do, they do look pretty cool, you know. Um, there they are, ladies and gentlemen, the Battle Force 2000. The Eliminator, Marauder, Dominator, uh, I can't name them all. But I was going to say that, um, oh, and you've done the Pulverizer. All yes. the way on the far, far left is the Pulverizer, yes. which is looking very respectable for something that was a very basic toy and suffered from it. I mean, it was a tank or an artillery piece. Yeah, it sort of still has a thing that goes up. But the, the Pulverizer, I figured, needed perhaps a second guy in the back to sort of be mm. of some sort. So here, there's a guy there, and there's also a guy here. And enclosed, no less. He's not poking yes. out of the top right in front for all to see and shoot. <laughs> Riddle and, with bullets. And similarly, uh, Dominator, which is my favorite Battle Force 2000 vehicle. I know it's not well, yours. It's <laughs> you also are from my favorite. Norway, after all. It's What's also my favorite there? JoJo snow vehicle, I think. But it is definitely missing uh, somewhere for someone to, to drive it. So I've added a uh, hatch in front. So there's a driver and a mm. gunner commander. And if I if I were to redo this, I might even try to design the turret so I had space for two people and not just one. But this is still quite satisfying. Oh, yes. Little... You're making Bob back? very happy. Yeah, there's supposed to be an engine there I haven't built yet, so it's, it's like <laughs> already excellent. Oh, once again, excellent details, man. Thank you. When I when I build this sort of thing, I'm looking to uh, improve things in, in terms of like fitting figs inside, giving hatches to give people actual protection. Um, something like this, you will recognize. Oh yes. Uh, I thought that the. Uh, the Wolverine needed some kind of weapons operator. You know, doing doing the driving and firing just one person is just too much. So I designed it so there was a little, little bigger, bigger turret and space for for a, 
a, a sort of weapons person back <laughs> as well. And Someone to a... sit between the multiple missile launchers. That's that's a hot seat. I hope it's uh, well insulated. <laughs> yeah, and and you know, I um, I went with a camouflage scheme just because I thought it, um, at the time I didn't have the right pieces to do the whole thing in just dark green or olive green. I might actually have that now. But when I did this, they didn't have the parts to do that. And so I kind of went with the Marauders style camouflage. Mm, I was going to say, yeah, those are definitely the Marauder colors. So you've kind of ticked two boxes in one fell swoop. Yeah, something like that. Um, so I, I, went, well, I, I want things to be uh, a little more realistic. I want to improve colors if I think I can, by which I mean I want them to be a little less bright and... Uh, you know, neonish, if that's the case. And I, <laughs> yeah, I've got a bone to pick it with you there, but I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Cobra bug, but we'll get there. Oh yes, we'll get there. Mm. Um, and um, but I want them to be real. Re I want them to be recognizable. Also, I don't want to just build a really cool tank and say, "Look, it's a mauler." Like it needs to look like a mauler. It needs to be recognizable to GI Joe fans as that, or at least mm. very recognizable in terms of the functions, in terms of what it does. You know. So show us more. Okay, okay. <laughs> there, were, there were a couple of wish list things I definitely want to get to uh, so we don't run out of time for that. Um, shall we start with the, the smaller ones or the bigger ones? Uh, let's have an element of randomness. Um, Rob, what were your three request items? Well, mine, I thought a really cute one, uh, I'm assuming it's an earlier one, was the Desert Fox. Ah, yes. Because I think that one definitely looks the most like a Lego vehicle more than it does like something that I'm assuming you, you, it was designed a lot earlier. Uh, it's awesome. This one I designed, it's not one of the mm -hmm. first, but it's not one of the most recent ones. It's, you know, if, if you're if you're kindly trying to say that it's a little less of a sophisticated build than some of my more recent ones, that's, <laughs> that's possible also. I, I, I'm, I I'm suppose that is what I'm saying. <laughs> I, I, I'm also, working with uh, specific uh, colors. Like if, if I didn't care about this part here being brown and I could just do it in black, then I could make this part look a little smoother. But because mm -hmm. I don't have brown, I don't have certain um, bar type things that would be a little slimmer and a little more realistic looking. But I'm going to try yeah. the brown there because in this case, I thought that that was a a recognizable feature and I, the color didn't bother me and I just figured that would be fine. Uh, and it's got the little seat in the back for someone to... The it's slopes definitely one are of the all more there. accurate ones, yeah. yeah. It, it definitely looks like the original vehicle. So, I mean, the original vehicle also wasn't very detailed itself. I mean, it, it, it kind of does mirror the, the original look of it. And you have added yeah. some cool things in there. Yeah, the only thing I wanted to change really was to to get rid of the orange and replace it with black. And the missiles are in tubes instead of just on their side. But you know, I wanted to keep it pretty close to the original. Mm. Uh, this is my skid mark, memorable. <laughs> he has. Uh, I didn't want him to go all orange, but I gave him a torso with a little bit of orange on it to kind of do to recognize to make it a little easier to remember who he is. All right, All right, so we've seen the Desert Fox. What else you got, buddy? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> very swooshable. Uh, this is very swooshable. Um, this is an airplane I think never quite got. It's quite, it, it's sort of as much 
attention as it deserved. It was really? the only one of the very few Cobra fighter planes that looked like a sort of multi-purpose, multi-role fighter plane. You know, it wasn't dedicated to ground attack. It wasn't dedicated to sort of fast speed reconnaissance or anything like that. It was just like, if Cobra could only have one fighter jet ever, they would, it would make more sense to go with this. It, um, yeah. um, my version has um, a slightly different, um, different um, approach to the VTOL thing. Um, it has, let's see if I get this right. If you open up under here. Uh, oh, nice. F-35 uh, style. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It has that. And then in the back, instead Hopefully of... The, better than the F-35. I think I just go like that. It has thrust... Ah, okay. That's very So not cool. only is there a central uh, intake that you know, blows up through the bottom, but uh, the, the thrust, the rear thrusters also angle downwards. Very, yeah. very smart. And then when it's flying, of course, these can also kind of do this sort of thing for extra minutes. Dual vector thrust. Yeah, very cool. Right. Um, Which solves the problem that I had with the, the, the Hurricane's tilt feature. Great fun sort of toyetically, but if you think about it too much, it's quite maddening. It puts it all is. the thrust at the back of the aircraft, and every time you want to go VTOL, you're losing your wing surfaces. And you're creating mm -hmm. this enormous like speed break. It's yeah. It's about as aerodynamically unsound as slapping a spoiler on the back of the aircraft, which I see you've retained just out of good, good, good form, good sport. Design it. Uh, well, is, yeah, that, design is that it so unsound though? I mean, there are airplanes that have a tail that looks kind of like that, right? Uh, an enclosed spoiler like that? I I'm not sure. I think you know. I, I don't know. I don't know the uh, the aerodynamic um, properties of that, but they're you know the the Bronco. The Bronco, yeah. I was well. about to say the Bronco, but I mean this is a very much slower speed aircraft. Bronco uh, is a, a cool a, idea. A, a prop driven uh, pusher type, and yeah. I suppose it just needed an extra lifting surface back there. Um, this one also has uh, one of the big challenges um, building airplanes is getting uh, the landing gear. to Go in and out, assuming you want to do that. So I Which often is something that I suppose yeah. Lego is famous for never doing. I mean, yeah, right. I'm trying so, to think Lego aircraft. They, they normally just have like fixed wheels. Yeah, I've never oh seen cool functions like that. Yeah, that's so cool. <gasps> that's pretty. That's well done. So for people listening to this podcast <laughs> instead of watching it, uh, not only do the doors open. The landing gear extends outwards and downwards and then kind of locks. You have a, a lot of engineering going into the, the bottom of this aircraft. Incredible. Yeah, and, and building something like this, um, I'll, often, uh, I'll often build the landing gear first because, the, oh. you know, if, if, if I build an airplane and then say, okay, now I need to, to figure out the landing gear and, and sort of add that to the interior somehow, that yeah. would like building a, a tank and then deciding you wanted to motorize it once you'd finished it. You, you really need to sort of build that into the, the structure of the whole thing. Yeah, it's going to be part of its DNA. Landing oh, it's such a pleasing shape with the gear down. It's just so, it's so chunky and, and substantial. You know, the, the, the compromise with a lot of G.I. Joe vehicles in order to make them an affordable price point is they can sometimes be a bit thin in the gills. 
Whereas Lego is such a thick medium, it's such a mm. high, high quality um, building material that, yeah, the end product is so satisfying. Uh, you got a lot of cool toys, Mag. A Thank lot you. Of cool toys. I love that you match the colors really well as well. I mean, the blue mm. and the gray. It, it does yeah, look like a proper missiles too. I wanted to, you know, that was an element of color, colorfulness that I feel, felt, you know, wasn't so unrealistic so much that I had to, you know, do them all in different colors. So, they're, they're, you know, a bit of yellow. That's a very sort of G.I. Joe-ish thing to have like a bunch of yellow or red missiles hanging off of it. <laughs> yeah, but it seems like you've got multiple kinds of missiles, whereas the, the limitation yeah. of the original Hurricane was it had a whole mess of missiles, but they were all the same. Yeah, this one has some bomb. These, you know, it's got some bombs and some. I, I'm imagining this multi role, you know, air to air and air to ground. You know, oh, yes. And speaking of the yellow pops of color, it's a nice aesthetic touch that the front uh, landing gear, the nose gear, has like yellow rims in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it just was a sort of fun little colorful thing. And, and you know, the original Hurricane also was a two seater. And I wanted to do that, but. I decided it was more important for me to have a, a lift fan in front and I couldn't really fit both of those things in. So And it being a two-seater makes the front end pretty much all glass, which yeah. is is kind of toyetic and fun because you have two figures in there and you can see them very clearly. But it mm -hmm. you know the, the the front the front uh, seat is is a compromise. You know, you've got a guy lying down practically with no controls. Right. The back guy has a bit more sculpting around him. So yes, it works as a one seater to be honest, and and these things in in the real world would probably be a one seater like the F sixteen. I think so. Yeah, this isn't mm -hmm. a, this is a, a you know in the lightweight fighter category. It's not a you know it's it's not some kind of sixty foot F fourteen like thing. The last thing that Rob wanted to have a look at was the parasite, I believe. Ah yes, the parasite. Your take on it? <laughs> is it bright orange? <laughs> Let's You'll find, find out, out soon. <laughs> uh, so the parasite is uh, my parasite is not bright orange. I ha -ha. feel bad because um, I forget the name of the person, but there's someone who did a custom parasite in black and red, and that's what inspired this. And I forget that person's name, but uh, to to be clear, uh, this took inspiration from someone else who who used that uh, color scheme and I just thought it was a really you know it's it's basically Cobra Stinger style color, color scheme mm. uh, don't feel too bad Magnus it is somewhat of a no-brainer to make Cobra land vehicles black and red the precedent was set long before that customizer so uh, credit That's, credit to oh. them but at the same time I'm sure it's a it's a it's a pretty common commonly held idea amongst customizers to to wash every Cobra vehicle into the black and red category. And of course, now it goes very well with my Stinger. This is my hey. right? So, you know... Uh, convoy. The convoy, right? Um, in addition to redoing it in black, I, I changed the doors so that there's a door on either side rather than one door just on one side. And the doors will open up, and there's space for six figures inside, and you won't really be able to see much because it's it's black in here, and there's no fix in there. Either. But uh, <laughs> the parasite is more than any other vehicle 
uh, a sort of APC. And Cobra should have had lots of APCs, really. Um, So G.I. Joe is such a a action figure focused line. I think there should have been more troop carriers in general. And I always thought the, the parasite needed an extra crew person because you know, driving and firing a, a turret just seems to like be quite busy. So I ended up going with something and I wanted to give them a bit of protection too. So I ended up going with a front that might be reminiscent of a uh, of a Soviet or Russian uh, Hind D uh, attack helicopter. So what yeah. you're saying is its weakness yeah. is explosive arrows. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Rambo. So yeah, it's got a, uh, you know, redone the guns a little in front and uh i kept the 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 gun in the back and i i dropped the sort of mine catapult because i just didn't I, it was just a little a, li- a little too a little too crazy for me for, for this particular design at least it is a i'm pretty sure any gi joe fan would instantly recognize that as a parasite regardless of the the color and the redesign so you've stayed mm-hmm. faithful to its silhouette I think that's the big giveaway. That's silhouette and function. Mm. That's what I wanted to. Yeah, absolutely. And also uh, with this vehicle as well, you then have customized minifigs as well. I mean, those are like proper looking vipers. How do you go about customizing the characters? Um, I think that is that's a great question. That is possibly even uh, that's the thing I'd I'd want to go into detail in perhaps some other time or ah. that there's a lot of. Uh, one of the things I've done a lot of that I haven't been posting online so much of is minifigs. And that's because whenever I make a little minifig or two, I'm like, you know, do I really want to create a, a you know, post on Facebook about this little minifig I made? I, you know, the, the, the vehicles are surely more, you know, involved and interesting, but I do have a lot of minifigs and sometimes you'll see them in, in, in crewing positions. Um, and perhaps I should uh, do more to sort of showcase them a little bit. Uh, yeah, I think I think that'd be great because I think also what interested me with the Desert Fox was I think in your pictures on your Flickr he had a, a dial tone mm-hmm. kind of featured in one of those pics and I thought it was awesome. I think definitely we should get you on again to go in-depth into minifigures. Well, uh, why don't I give you a quick teaser? It'll last about five seconds and then <laughs> I can, uh, we can do it again sometime. Oh, oh my goodness. That's a whole lot of minifigures. We're looking yeah, at Joe's here. Three cases, wall-mounted. Oh, you see the, re- the 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 reflection from the screen. That's intentional. So I've got Joe's on this side. I've got Cobras on this side. Oh, pardon. Two cases. <laughs> Still. Yeah. The perfect, so I've, uh, the perfect number. I, I do army building. I have, uh, and similarly with the Cobras, I, I've tried to sort of army build, uh, toning down the colors a little bit. So like my Alley Vipers are not. Uh, orange and blue, but they are hopefully recognizable as alley vipers. If you, for if you shame, <laughs> um, I'll give you a quick example of that actually, uh, since I just mentioned it. Um, all right, so hopefully, this is recognizable. Oh, yeah, well, that is definitely an alley viper, yeah. Um, You've taken on the pursuit of cobra color scheme. That's yeah. dark red. This is uh, an example of uh, a brick arms weapon. Lego doesn't produce uh, guns, basically that look remotely f- uh, futuristic uh, or modern. Like a Chris Victor, or like a Victor. It, it's basically yeah. that, yes. Yeah. Um, mm. And anyone who is a fan of 
uh, Lego or fantasy may recognize this shield is from the Lord of the Rings orcs. Hmm. I was going to ask. They have that. a shield like that. So there were Lord of the Rings sets, and they had these orcs that had this shield. And I was like, "That's perfect for alley vipers." So because you wanted to have a slight cutout for the weapon. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, That's I mean, so cool. This lighting system, and, and we that we can do fix sometime as well. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, any excuse to have you back, dude. That would be great. Hey, yeah. You don't need to trust my arm. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, so, briefly about figs, um, I use Lego uh, torsos and heads and helmets. I occasionally will use third-party headgear and a few other things. And I use usually brick arms weapons, um, and it's a lot of uh, kit bashing, basically. And sometimes I'll see, you know, some minifig that has a torso or maybe even just arms that I figured like that would look really good on this stick. And so maybe I'll have to go out and get that just to to get that that element that also use that to build the, the fig in question. Yeah, because it, well, it, I think it definitely adds a lot to to the believability of the vehicles to have figures that actually look like Joes and Cobras. Yeah. That's the hope. This is a uh his driver. <laughs> hey. cool. I gave him an Alley Viper style head uh, face shield just because I figured that, you know, it, he he's one of the his drivers who's in the unarmored cockpit, so he's gonna want some body armor. Yeah, <laughs> and he's still rocking those thigh high black boots. Yes, like indeed. They... Can't forget those. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing well, the kind of variation that you can get that you can custom get with minifix. I mean, short of actually so printing printing your own torsos, you're able to create all these different recognizable even shapes and colors. Even without printing your own torsos. Um, I am Amazing. four years old. I was born in 1978. Uh, that is the same year that Minifix started coming out. So Lego, has, <laughs> Lego has been producing Lego Minifigs for over 40 years. And there are just thousands of... of, of of different torso designs and uh, lots of colors and lots of uh, faces with heads with different faces. And some people will also do their own custom torso stickers. So, I mean, it is its own world of, of, of you know, army building. Variation. Yeah. Gee oh, yeah. What a wealth. But okay, we've got a few more vehicles to chew through on this session. This oh, one of my selections. <laughs> This is uh, my take on the battle wagon. It oh, yes. The battle wagon, I was, you know, when I was into G.I. Joe's in the early 90s, the battle wagon was kind of one of the big G.I. Joe land vehicles that I kind of wanted because I needed that kind of thing, but I never never got it. So uh, getting to build vehicles that I never had as a kid is, you know, kind of filling a battle wagon-sized hole in my <laughs> soul. Right. Something that is evident as you're holding it now that isn't evident in the pictures is it has some suspension, some interesting like side to side. Oh, that's incredible! Like the, axle. That. the 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 the, the chassis can the can twist on the axles. Well, I also, you see how the wheels are turning. Yeah. How do you do that? I rotate this little thing at the back, 
let's see this if you can view that does that view up a little yes okay so it has steerable front wheels and suspension on the front wheels oh. also has suspension on the back wheels uh using uh just a shock absorber very cool i think you need to take your toys outside and maybe pose them on some some landscape some rocks maybe to just I give it that. that i want to do more of that excellent well it's beautiful you've taken out the red elements from the battle wagon but retained that beautiful blue mm. but you've also given it a very specific function why don't you talk to us a bit about that well i thought the the battle wagon uh was a cool looking thing with just that, that sort of multiple rocket launcher kind of Gatling-ish thing just didn't quite do it for me. Um, so I thought to myself, what, what, why would it make sense to have a vehicle like this? And how can we make a bit of sense of that and keep it recognizable as a battle wagon? So this is, um, I envisioned the battle wagon as a dedicated urban combat vehicle. Um, Excellent. The, the, the somewhat exposed uh, gun positions with just remote remote gunning positions that are controlled mm. and i have um but you can't see it real well because i don't have any figs inside but there's actually space for two two people sitting in here mm -hmm. oh and i didn't notice that it's it's not a it, it has the armored slatted um canopy which is true yep. to the the toy uh but also underneath that has armored glass yes very smart, because you know you don't want bugs to <laughs> to just go in through the slats and hit you in the face. No thanks. No, it's got um, it's got a uh, ramp in the back and space in the back for people. Mm -hmm. um, I could fit about six or seven Joes in the back of this thing, so it's basically as many as that. Gee, yeah, shockwave. Um, shockwave would approve. <laughs> shockwave would definitely be part of this team. Uh, and uh, let's see if I can take this thing off even. Yeah, you can fit. You can see how many. There's, there's space for a, a number of figs back there if you squish them. Mm -hmm. It's also got a little opening spot here <laughs> so that when the... So, you know, they can they can peek out. That there's, it, oh, it's, a, a, you know, a thing that they can peek out and even climb out from. And then... This thing, uh, you know, is a sort of turret with, you know, some guns, but also, and its main function is it goes up like that. And so, it. Um, so instead of the multiple missile launcher, you have a cherry picker. <laughs> yeah, you know, you figure you might want to give your sniper an elevated position, or you might want to go up to uh, a window in a second or third, or even fourth uh, story house. And, uh, you know, and you could, you know, you might want to rescue someone. Like it's, uh, you know, you can ro ro roll up to a, a building. The vehicle itself is already pretty tall, but like you can yeah. get out of this thing. Amazing. And it's heavily armored, so it can stay in one position for a while, which is cool. Yeah. And I mean, I don't know if I don't know if Giorgio want to dabble in this, but like urban pacification, you could mount a a, a high pressure hose onto that cherry picker. I mean, a good vantage point. Uh, you could do. Giorgio needed to of... put down a riot or something. Yeah, I mean, you can do all kinds of uh, depending on the situation. I, I don't think Giorgio does that sort of thing a lot, as far as 
I know, I wouldn't want them to either, but <laughs> you know, it's, there it's, are certainly, kind of screaming uh, out for it. There are certainly alley vipers out there who uh, are, are pretty dangerous, who you need to go up against sometimes. Um, I've... Um, I yep. love it. Th thank you. Uh, it's got this little bit here that you know you can pull out. Yep. The like, winch is present. Yeah, it's, it's not <laughs> the winch is not present on my on on my battle wagon. Sadly, I have to find that part. Um, this battle wagon is not motorized, um, but that was just you know uh, a decision I made. I, I was able to fit a lot of stuff in the back in, instead of motorizing it. Um, and then uh, I used a shade of dark uh, brown and a dark gray on this, which Lego stopped producing a long time ago, which is very sad for a lot of Lego builders because it's a very useful shade of gray. But the, the new shades of gray that they've been out with for about 15 years or so have a slightly more bluish tinge. So they're really good for um, representing metal, but the, the slightly dark, the slightly sort of browner shades of gray are really good for stone. And I think the color on the battle wagon is also closer to this particular shade of gray. So that's just a little bit of Lego trivia. Uh, so you are actually shopping for <laughs> bricks that are out of production. That yeah. just adds another layer of complexity to the whole affair. You have to look for vintage sets. Oh my well, goodness. I'm looking for bricks that are sold. I'm not buying old sets for old bricks, but I'm buying bricks on a place called Bricklink. If you want to buy Lego bricks on their own, uh, you can go to Bricklink and just find sellers who sell you know what you're looking for incredible well as i say it just adds a layer of complexity that they're actually because i always thought you know lego they just keep adding things they don't subtract items from their production lists but i suppose yeah colors get phased out so just like o-ring figures out. you know you you can't <laughs> the store anymore right so you you have to you know buy them second hand often from for someone who's maybe has a collection of them Mm-hmm. Look, we teased it earlier on. I think it's time we cracked open the Cobra bug. If you've got that staring you in the face, let's oh. have a look. The Cobra bug. Here we go. Hey, baby. Once again, a very recognizable silhouette. I defy any Joe fan to not know immediately what it is, but you have dumped the neon yellow in favor of making this a sort of more more in line with the cobra moray like yes the, it is meant to pair color wise a little more with the moray yes um, looks like the eels so cool it has, and yes it is the perfect ride for the version one eels which if you're a stickler for the cobra nave and you want to keep everything looking uniform you can't do better than the than, than the eel version one that's the idea Right, so the bug, um, I think last time, I forget when we, if it was in, in number 126 or some other time, but Steve, you were saying how you, before you got a bug of your own, you always thought that maybe it should be sort of open on the inside so that they could all move around in there a little more? Mm, just like a submarine should be. I mean, it wouldn't be spacious. It'd be pretty cramped, but the chambers should be interconnected. That's more yeah. like what I think too. Um, and that was part of my thinking when I designed this. I, I, um, this one has, uh, so it's got a little sort of dude here and a dude here. I've moved the gun turret to here because mm -hmm. I want to take off a sub thing, a little mini sub that's going to create a, 
a hydrodynamic just wall in front here, the way the original. Oh, yes. So <laughs> it I, is a problem on the original. I moved my turret to here, even though that means it can't do a, a full, you know, 360. Um, and you can see this is how you, uh, this is uh, one of the crew people. Oh, yes. Uh, so there's a bubble, a, a sort of a, a top bubble yeah. on top of the driver position. He's, what, is he kind of an observer? I I could uh, say, you know, maybe one of them's a driver and one of them is a, one of them is a commander. Mm. Oh, yes, of course. And, and this is the one instance where a driver in a prone position makes sense because you actually want to keep an eye on the bottom <laughs> as opposed to straightforward. Um, yeah, no, it, it's, it's lovely that the, the front driver position is lying down. Makes a lot more sense than on the Havoc. Yes. And, you know, it almost reminds me a little of a sort of World War II era bomber plane where you have kind of a, a sort of cockpit of sorts here and a cockpit of sorts here. In, in that case, it would be for a bomb aimer, I think. But nice. uh, yeah. And then um, you may also wonder what this one, this one here is for. This is so that um, this, is an air, this is a way in for, for divers. So they go in there. All right, so there's a top hatch, and a diver will be able to clamber in and out of the, the vehicle. Now, that makes me wonder how cavernous the, the back section is. How many guys well, can you fit in there? Well, the other thing on the sides here, these things open up. And this is how you would get in and out of uh, the whole thing if you were, um, if you were, uh, um, when, if it's on land. Right, very good. Right? And so they have that on each side. So as fun as the um, water ski uh, hatches are mm -hmm. on the, the original, it's far more practical to make those an entryway. Yep, I would agree. And my water skis are attached on the back here instead. These things come off. Ha! Huh. Perfect. Mm -hmm. So I do have my water skis, but they are attached sort of on the back. Very discreetly and not interfering with any of the function. It's good. Yeah, I also have some torpedoes underneath here. Ah, so centrally located on the underside, you've got the torpedo yeah. housing. Very That's smart. Cool. I mean, it would, it's not perhaps the smartest move to have your torpedoes dragging underneath those, like, nacelles. Well, you know, they're sort of, you know, if you see from the front, they're sort of somewhat protected. They're not... Yeah, absolutely. No, this either. is my criticism of the original toy. That oh, slapping, right, yeah. or, slap, slapping ordnance onto the undersides of the nacelles just further in danger of being snagged. Yeah. Whereas um, yours has a, a more um, more practical uh, design aesthetic. You know, you are giving a thought to these things operating in the real world and and putting putting weapons in a kind of a dangerous position for the vehicle itself. Like, don't make this a kamikaze machine, thanks. Right. The other thing, um, I'm going to open this bit up here. Now, this is an opening part that is really just to give access to view. It doesn't represent what would open up on the real vehicle. Huh. Gravy. goes up. And if I do that, you can see this compartment back here. So you go in through these uh, black hatches on the side, and then you have space to uh, sit kind of here. Oh, yes. And you could get, you know, uh, and that way, 
this uh, this bit here, which I, I said was a, a way in for the divers. I don't know if there's a good. Oh, it comes off. Yes, it comes uh, opens up. So there's actually. This is meant to be a one of those pressure roomy things. What's it called? Oh uh, yes. Well, it, I suppose you could call it a decompression chamber or. Uh, dark or um, yeah, and yeah. So there's a there's a a little door there that can open up. Yeah, it wouldn't be a decompression chamber. It would be absolutely what you said, Paul, wet dock. Yeah. Or, uh, but I don't think that's 100% correct, but conceptually, yes. <laughs> we know what you're talking about. It's a, yeah. it's a chamber that would, would, would fill up with water and equalize with the pressure outside and release the diver. That's how you now, get out when it's underwater. And then from here, you get in here, and there's a little bit of, you know, it's cramped, but you could fit like four yields in the back of this thing. That's not a problem at all. Oh, perfect. Which leads me to the question. Characters can move around through the middle. They can move. They can move yeah. around through the whole interior, which is really awesome. Yeah, that's something that the bug really does need. The other thing that the original bug had that this one you you haven't seen yet is you may be missing the little mini sub that the original one comes off the the top. The, yeah. And so in my one, here's the little mini sub. Here's oh, beautiful. Separate piece. It's so cute. It's, <laughs> it's very and, trouble bubble-ish. Yes, very trouble bubble-ish. Then check this out. Um, let's see how this works. I'm glad I didn't preempt you. I was about to ask what uh, the function of the back end of the bug was. It, ex it opens up and accepts the mini no. That is and then, then it becomes a rear-facing turret. <laughs> wow. Why aren't you working for Lego, Magnus? Because they need you. <laughs> um, I, or Creo, as it were, <laughs> making the G.I. Joe line. I, uh, I, I, one of the reasons I haven't tried aggressively to find a job for, with Lego is as working as a set designer, you know, I wouldn't be able to say... Why don't I spend the year building G.I. Joe Lego and you can pay me for that and then we can see it on toy shelves. They mm. would say, uh, Magnus, it's your job to design, you know, a a toy in the $30 price range for our new XYZ line, which probably wouldn't be a line that I'd had, you know, much of a creating or, or at least, you know, it wouldn't... Dare, dare I say one of the pink lines... <laughs> or if it were a pink line, I might not even be able to build. I might not even be able to say, sure, I think the pink girly, girly line needs, you know, a rock and roll band, which might appeal to me. They, they might say, you know, we want you to to do this or do that. Like, I, I think there's, a, there, there's less creative control than I, I think I'm used to as a hobby builder. Right. Okay. No, that's cool. Uh, that's why I asked. I mean, no, I it's understand a fair that question. Well. I mean, I. I hmm. I have friends who, who, who work for Lego or who have done that. And if you look at uh, Lego's products over the past 10 years, uh, they are increasingly uh, complex. And part of that is that they've hired people like me to, who've, built, who've been building Lego their whole lives to, to, do, to design the sets. Oh, those sets are amazing, man. I'm always tempted to buy Lego in the toy shop. I just never know where to put it when I get it. So. I mean, it takes up less space than G.I. Joe does, at least, you know, if, if you're thinking about 
a Lego person compared to a G.I. Joe person. Oh, no, I agree. But the problem is I am a G.I. Joe person. <laughs> so it's like I'm a G.I. Joe person and now I'm a Ninja Turtle person. Uh-huh. And I'm a Gundam person. <laughs> so, <laughs> person. They do have Lego uh, Ninja Turtles. <laughs> Did you know that? I love that stuff. I was, unfortunately, that had all come out when I was having a little bit of a financial slump. But I'm mm. so sad I missed out on that potty wagon. It was too cool. It had all four turtles. It was the, yeah, it was the shell. I think they called it the shell stopper or something. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and yeah, that was a fantastic set. In fact, a lot of the stuff they did for the Ninja Turtles line was it was really incredible. Um, but I did manage to, in uh, in the interim, get myself that, um, I always call it the Bat Cat, but it's from the Batman Lego movie, that like big um, sort of walking thing that he has. It's like this big, uh, like, it's weird. It's like, it's, it moves like a cat, but it's actually like a big bat. It's weird. Okay. It's got long four leg, uh, long yeah, four leg thingies, and it's crazy. I, I got one of those, which was really cool. Um, and then also, uh, thanks to Steven, I managed. Uh, I got the Jurassic Park set, which I absolutely love. Which is the sort of mini diorama of the kitchen and the um, control center. Um, mm-hmm. With the, yeah, I love that set. It's too cool. It's actually very smart. But uh, yeah, anyway. Enough about shall four we, Lego. Uh, shall we go on with some more G.I. Joe Lego? If, if I have time for a few more? Oh, yes. How about some of Cole's selections? Mm. Yeah. And you know what? He, he, I he gave you a hit list. I yep. have so Amazon. many that I could pick from. But oh, let's put it this way. There are so many I could pick from. But the one that I would love, love to see is that Night Raven. Ah. I love that thing so much. Like, yeah, just know that I was torn. Oh, so wow. I mean, look at that, dude. That is that is incredible. Thank you. Oh, the underside, so tasty. Yeah, man. This is actually the second version of this. Uh, when I first built it, I was still very happy with it, but um, someone pointed out to me that it was just a little, it could have done to be a little longer. So I ended up lengthening it here by about eight, uh, six or eight studs, which also gave me space for a second crew person in front, which is good because it's supposed to have two. Mm-hmm. Um, um, this is one of my favorite things I've built. It is the largest Lego plane I've ever built. Mm. It has a lot of working features that are fun. I'm going to show them all to you. And uh, it was just a, a really fun, it was a big challenge. It, it was a challenging build. It was really fun. Um, let's start. I want to make sure I don't forget the play features because there's so many of them. Um, <laughs> let's start out with a land. Uh, actually, now let's start out with you. I, I envision the Night Raven as a, as a stealthy uh, plane in, in the modern sense. As so should, yeah. <laughs> um, in this case, it carries its weapons internally. Yeah, no drag. For radar, so. yay! Like F twenty two, very cool. So this one has uh, a currently a weapons loadout of two air two air missiles and one smart bomb. It doesn't oh, and have actually like the SR seventy one, but let's not go there. <laughs> you know, so the smart bomb that, that's what the smart bomb looks like. Ooh. And then a couple of uh, air to air missiles. And I love that your bomb bay has got white inside it. That is so. Oh, that is so cool. Um, like, I love that because that is like what fighter planes have. 
that like yeah and it makes it a little easier to see it too if the inside mm -hmm. of this black you really couldn't see anything on on camera um so i'm going to close that up uh let's see is this oh landing gear time i Ooh, love it landing gear and then this comes down to lock it so it doesn't yay flip. that's one of the oh, challenges poetic. Nice. If you build landing gear, often it'll flip back unless you are able to lock it in place somehow. Mm -hmm. And then this. Oof, complex system of hatches. I assume you also started with the, the gear setup on this one? Um, I started with the nose on this one. Oh. It has a thing that was important to design from the get-go. Oh! Right, right. Get, get that signature smile. This thing, this thing fell off, but okay. <laughs> I take it to so, an unmanned drone, which is it's an unmanned a lot drone, smarter. Yeah. yeah. Instead of having some poor person flying around in the, you know, yeah, this, this, this thing's an unmanned drone and it could be a missile or it could be a recon thing or, you know. Take the glass out of it and it looks spooky, man. It's done mm. up all in black, like that front, uh, black and then gray on the underside, but like without the glass giving it a kind of an eye, um, it's very, very spooky. And then it's got the, uh, this bit here, which you it's all got know. a drop down cockpit. <laughs> nice. These are my Strato Vipers. Oh, sweet. Are those, those look a bit like Imperial helmets, but I can't tell. They are, uh, yeah, that's some kind of Star Wars helmet that I don't remember. Yeah. Death uh, Troopers, maybe. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> that's how that comes down. And then very spacious cockpit seats, which is something your version of the Raven has over the uh, Hasbro version. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, I hadn't thought about that, but the original is pretty, pretty tight in there, isn't it? Oh Almost. yeah. You you battle to fit anyone other than a Strata Viper. Strata Vipers are fortunately quite, quite lean. Yeah, I've um, got a. I think I've got an Astro Viper in there as well, on mine. With his helmet on? Not uh, in the front no. seat, you don't. No, no, it's the, it's the Star Brigade one, and I lost his helmet. <laughs> so yeah. he's just sitting there. I always just have to yank my, my, my Astro Viper's helmet off in order to make him a, a Night Raven pilot. Oof. So I've got what just happened? Air the air brakes. Here, here, and here. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Um, I ha I don't have that gun that fires rearwards. I just have the air brake instead, but that's okay. Um, I think the realist in us all kind of forgets about that gun. <laughs> Where on an extremely fast aircraft would you ever find the opportunity to fire rearwards at a pursuer? And also, like, aerodynamics might pull the bullets into the fuselage as well. I think... Um, <laughs> if you say so. It, 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 to me, it seems no, unlikely no. that anyone is catching up with the Night Raven. I think that the rearward mm. thing is more like if you if you have someone flying towards you and you fly past them, then you, you shoot at them as you pass or, or something like mm. that. More sense to me. Um, Look, as aircraft have gotten faster, like weapon systems that, that are, are for close-in fighting have kind of become dinosaurs. That's why bombers of the Second World War were covered in, in, in machine gun turrets. Uh, mm -hmm. because they were engaging targets or having to defend themselves from, from attackers that were coming very close in at slower mm -hmm. speeds. 
but something like the Night Raven to have a a turret to fend off attacking craft, it just makes no sense. We get no use, and also it's far too small to have enough range. Really, I mean, it's cool though. It mm, it does look cool. I think it looks no, cool. No, I I, I can do, with, do without that. Yeah. <laughs> well, if I ever build a condor, I don't, you know, that that remains to be seen. If I have any kind of a a rear gun turret on the condor, but um, on the ring. <laughs> yeah. So initially, my first version actually had a uh, a brake chute that popped out the back, but it did away with the brake chute because it was really a pain in the ass to put back in, and also. Um, it puts stress on the rear, so the, there was a structural problem with it. But instead, I have these little missiles here. Ah. Um, and you've seen the movie Firefox, which mm -hmm. provides inspiration for the Night Raven. In addition to the SR-71, we'll remember that 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 plane also had rearward firing missiles, which is a little, which is a silly thing, but you know. It's sort of too fun not to include that. Um, <laughs> the final thing I have on this is lighting. Oh my word! The engine cavities have red LEDs in them. That is spectacular. Oh, um, these are actually uh, Lego lights. Oh right, so the sort of light brick. Very good. Yeah, okay. light brick. <laughs> Keeping it official. Uh, you dare so not to put any non-Lego products into your beautiful Night Raven. I dig that, because I see that so often with um, the Ghostbusters Firehouse, and there's lots of guys selling LED sets, but they don't sell them as, like, light brick sets, and that's always, I don't know, for me it's just disappointing. <laughs> so it's cool that you've gone legit with it. That's awesome. Look at Mine. that silhouette. I was, to, I was going to even make the front part a breakaway jet, kind of like on the Condor, where this whole front section would take off, but I didn't do it. That's an example of, you know, one of the things I think about when I design this. Like, can I can I make it cooler or more outrageous in a way that I like? Um, it didn't work. It didn't work this time. But um, maybe my condor will have some kind of a breakaway, you know, escape pod in front, a little more like the way it does in the, the original toy. Yes, but with the Raven, firstly, there's no precedent for it, and secondly, you do away with the kind of the the solid nature of it. To yeah. have it uh, non-breakaway, it just, it, I mean, I, I'm seeing you handling it with one hand, and I think to myself, yeah. well, that is a very solidly built Lego set. There are a lot of yeah, interlocking parts. The there, there, there's a lot of plates in these. The, the wings are basically three plates thick. Great, because um, there's nothing worse than a, a Lego set that is flimsy to the touch. Yeah, you, you, you can, mm. um, I definitely, compared to other people building in the military theme, my, uh, sets of my, my lego designs are fairly solid like you can i drop most of my tanks and you know <laughs> yeah just invite that why don't you drop well, them. i Go mean ahead. you you, you know success. you can drop a lot of the, my things and and you know maybe a wheel or two will fall, fall off but they're not gonna like they're not gonna sort of shatter yeah mm. amazing very impressive Guys, I, I don't know if there is likely to be a climax uh, that reaches a higher point than that Night Raven. I think this might be a good opportunity to leave it for this session. Can and I show you one other thing uh, to comment? You are the master of ceremonies, Magnus. Please do. Can, can I show you one other thing to compliment the Night Raven before I show you my, 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 my grand finale? 
<laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> All right. So here we go. Oh, oh my goodness. Uh, that looks proper. You so have the arrows. We all know what this is, right? She'd be a sky striker oh. with oh my goodness, the wing slide actually yeah. functions. Oh unfortunately so doesn't bring down the landing gear. <laughs> I love how no, that's the like landing gear uh, go in and out separately. Uh, very good. As you would like hope they should. <laughs> no, I I think how like it's it's oh there's irony in the fact that I hate the arrow on the toy, but I love it on the Lego build. Oh that's <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Like I love the authenticity of it on the Lego build, but I just hate it as a thing on the toy. Oh, it's so good. It's gorgeous. Oh, look at those wings, man. They're great. He's, they got such oh, a Oh, he's created an arrestor hook. Hey. Yeah. Very um, good. These things do that. What? The tail planes? Oh, I suppose yeah, an F fourteen does steer by its tail planes. Yeah. Put a bit of control surfaces there. Um, huh. Yeah, and you've gone with the black tail fins. That's just a beautiful aesthetic. My choice. first version of this had white tail fins, and people asked for the black tail fins, so I was like, "Sure, I'll do that." Nice. Got, like, and you've replicated the the tricolor red, white, and blue stripe on the wings. <laughs> yes, it's not a sticker. Good. You've actually created it using bricks, dude. Uh, sexy, and also like a very easy detail to miss, but you've nailed it. Are the missiles? Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I want. I wanted to keep the missiles, this, the original loadout, um, mm. not give it like regular Tomcat uh, missiles. Oh, that's fantastic! Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, excellent work, Magnus. That is sublime. Um. So now, the coup de gras. Mine already, but I I want to show off one last thing. Uh. Which is not a vehicle. <laughs> Best way to show this thing. I'm holding mm. thumbs. I'm, Brace I think yourselves. I know what it might be. Yeah. What did you say? Oh no, I'm holding thumbs. I, I don't want to spit out what it could be until I see it. Okay. Let's see if I can. It's something I'm hoping you'll show us. So. Woo! Yes, it is. Oh, oh, look at goodness. that, listeners! It's the silent castle. Faithfully reproduced right, in bricks. So sort of, sort of show you the whole. No, it's upside down now. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> and it is massive. Wow. So you have sculpted a quick snake. tour around this thing. This is uh, the Silent Castle, which has been on my to-do list for a long time. He ha it has uh, this very um, characteristic, very slight sloping to the walls, and that was mm. one. Of Challenges to figure out how to do in Lego, but it I looks quite man. seamless. I mean, I'm sure you had to use quite a bit of internal engineering to get those slopes, you know, get the geometry just right, which is very unnatural for Lego. Yeah, but uh, you've managed to get a very seamless look to the exterior, which blows my mind. Thank you. It's got uh, <laughs> Hogwarts be damned, um, dude. This thing's amazing. It has a uh, it has a, a helipad on the back, which is um, a detail I took from the European Action Force version of this castle. Everything else is pretty much as close as I could get it to the 
uh, Castle as it was displayed in the silent issue, although I've taken a few liberties by adding a few, like, you know, stairwell axis type ladder y things there. Um, so my face can get around. So quite famously, Larry designed the Silent Castle's architecture to be very signature and, and you can always situate where you are on the structure by the various signifiers, you know, the, the way the, mm -hmm. the two radar towers are slightly different. You know, yes. you can tell whether you're on the front or the back. Like it feels like you have taken all of that on board and replicated it so faithfully that I think, I think Larry would be very proud and not many, not many a comic book artist have been able to replicate the silent castle as faithfully as that. I can think mm -hmm. back to a few issues of the devil's do run that kind of nailed the external structure, but then like exaggerate, they, they won't wind up exaggerating the internals to the point where it doesn't really work. Whereas it, you have sculpted it. Compact. You've sculpted it in three dimensions and it is bang on man. Everything is there. Um, the one thing that you don't see in this castle yet, of course, is the oubliette, which uh, would be on the inside, but would be underground. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, so this is not finished. One of the big things I need to do is I need to raise it on uh, a sort of rock rocky outcrop to raise it about like that much more. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so it'll be taller on a sort of rocky bit. Uh, and then I can have the, the dungeon thing. Uh, underground and that is what i have here yeah wow so hey. this will come away and get this right and then you can see we already uh. familiar with the uh it's issue 20, 21 but also some of the other issues this is sort of where they they put people away and there's a hatch at the top so this is where you get in and out and this is where they forget about you or whatever yeah. that hatch causes me much anxiety because mm. i mean i just think of like storm shadow trying to clamber out of it while scarlet mm -hmm. is uh slamming it down and i think oh fingers <laughs> this is going to be raised up high enough that i can put this underneath it if that makes sense mm. Yes. And I suppose you can go to town with the subterranean level of the silent castle. There you might can be do some a lot other there. You can yeah, you have things there that maybe trinket. weren't in the comic because you know they leave it a little up to your imagination to like figure out what they have down there, right? They mm -hmm. have of course, the question there. on everyone's lips right now, Magnus, is does it transform into Destro's Scottish castle? <laughs> 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 it does not transform, but what it does do is. Um, it does open up and there is going to be an interior when I get to it, which I haven't got, got to it yet, but. Well, that's why this is a to be continued of, kind of episode of G.I. Joburg. Um, I, uh, well, I'll just show you right now, demonstrate that it does open up and then I can sort of come back and show the whole thing to you sometime in the future when it's finished. Oh, wow. Ingenious. Yeah, I was not expecting that. Wow. The front face can be pulled away, and you've got three levels. Very spacious, too. Page. I mean, a lot of headroom. Yeah. It's certainly a, quite a regal-looking chamber. So if I take this down here, 
Maybe see inside there a little bit. There's a stairwell. Staircases. So there's staircases on either tower, here and here. And they go up and, you know, there's there's going to be space inside for Cobras to live and Cobra Commander to have, you know, a little suite and stuff like that. I shudder so, to think how many man hours you've put into this thing. I suppose it is all hobby time and it's freely given, but... Uh, you know, just the planning. You've taken so much care. And I, I, I see in this, you must have gone through a number of revisions. You know, building something, not yeah. being quite happy with it, breaking it down, rebuilding it. Do you it, ever wonder um, how I long started, it's been? I started working on it about a year ago. It's kind of been a quarantine project for me. Um, well, it's coming to beautiful uh, fruition. Like, on its own, you. as it is, without the umblock and without the in interiors, uh, designed yet, like it is already a feat. Thank you. I really appreciate mm. it. It's, uh, um, yeah, it's at a point where if I were going to a Lego con today, I could bring it and display it, but I would rather, you know, have it finished first. Mm. Right. When I was a kid and I was looking at uh, a Lego uh, set to get uh, maybe as a Christmas present or a birthday gift or whatever, um, my favorite thing was. I would always imagine myself like being that size, like Lego man size and, and exploring the place. Uh, and some yeah. of my favorite Lego sets were things like the, the wolf hideout um, and the, the sort of ice planet stuff, because they had so many cool little like places that you could actually have like little missions and whatever. And I used to love those submarines and looking at this, mm -hmm. I just look at that. I'm just like, Oh, I wish I was Lego size. I could like play in there. And that is a really <laughs> cool feeling. And, and I love how like, uh, there's no suspension of disbelief. I don't have to like look at this and go, okay, I have to imagine the back wall or I have to imagine stuff, you know? Yeah. It's like, it's that space is there and that is incredible. That that Thank blows you. me away. Wow. <laughs> Magnus, this is you have to get into stop motion now, Magnus, so we can have you recreate the silent issue in Lego video. <laughs> yeah. Uh, You've that's already built the set. Me. You're halfway there, man. That's the hardest uh, part. Yeah, I mean, at the very least, I'll be hanging a snake eyes uh, off of right here. Yes, perfect. Right? Um, yeah, uh, the uh, yeah, we'll see. It's uh, it's it's been very gratifying to work on it, you know. And and it's one of those things I've been wanting to build for a long for years. And I and I'm not exaggerating when I say years. Uh, there are several things I I waited years to build because I didn't know if I had the building experience or skill yet or the parts just didn't exist or the right colors didn't exist. And uh, it was only about a year ago that it finally occurred to me, how do I make the walls on this thing slope at that angle? Right. And once I did that, I realized that absolutely amazing. Oh, I think I can do that. Um, so uh, some of these, these really are quite, you know, they, they involve a lot of anticipation and waiting and kind of patience before I actually have a go at them. Well, it's come to beautiful fruition because, yeah, the proof of the pudding is in the eating and that castle is delicious. <laughs> but, <laughs> folks, I think we're going to cap it there. Uh, we yep. could do this all day, I'm sure. Uh, we're going to um, not have chance to do our postbox the pit today, but needless to say, if you want to comment on this video, 
or uh, anywhere in your pod, podcast feed, please do. We'd love any and any and all feedback. Feel free to leave a like on the video as well. Uh, and hey, if you're not subscribed to GI Joburg, what are you waiting for? Give us a subscribe. Give us a subscribe. Huh. A give like a and a subscribe. <laughs> Hit the bell. <laughs> do it all. Do all the things. Um, if you'd like to email us a, a love letter, we might uh, care to read out on the show. Please do at a real South African hero at gmail.com. You can also include a voice note. We got a voice note from Troy Smith this week. We're going to bump it to next week and give it a, a enough airtime to, to fully respond. But I think those are all the things I have to say. Paul, what do you got to say, buddy? I have to say, if you want to join us, um, if you want to help support our channel and help us grow, uh, please go and check out our Patreon uh, for as little as like $3. Uh, you can join our Patreon and support this really awesome thing that we do called G.I. Joburg. And uh, yeah, we throw out the occasional fun little tidbit here and there, some behind the scenes stuff that is exclusive only to the Patreon guys, um, or at least early exclusive. Uh, but you get cool discounts on our other cool thing that I'm going to show you, our Teespring store. Uh, which is full of really awesome G.I. Joe Berg Teespring merch. And I say it's really awesome because I designed a lot of the merch. So, <laughs> so and yay. I'll say it's very awesome because I wear some of the merch, which is yay. great. Robbie, and, what uh, have you got to say, pal? I'm going to say this has been an awesome experience. Um, seeing Magnus's, more of Magnus' collection is absolutely amazing. And there's so much more to explore. Like, uh, we didn't even get to the Mamba, which I thought was an amazing adaptation of uh, the original. I look forward yes. to talking about that in depth. And we'll do the Mamba next time. Hell yeah, dude. I'm yeah. really looking forward to it. And once again, folks, if you'd like to see Magnus's creations at your leisure, I will put a link to his Flickr account in the description to this podcast. So wherever you're listening or watching it, scroll on down and click on the link and you will not be disappointed. As amazing as the things he's showcased today are, just the sheer depth of his roster will impress you, if not the minutiae of the designs themselves. So Check out, check yeah. out the albums. That's the best way to, to kind of look through it all. Oh, and I believe yes. we will have links in the description below for that. So, yeah. Bam. And done. Bam. Episode 196 of G.I. Joburg, Lego Joe's. Big thank you to Magnus, our master builder. Sir, you are always uh, our welcome guest. And we are in your awe. So thank you very much for uh, showing us your creations this time. Thank you. Thank you so much. And with that, I suppose there's only one last thing to say. Chuck E. Cheese! Oh, is that on it? <laughs> Clown. <laughs> on three. Three, two, one. Yo! 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 Berg. Berg. Yes, we're staying with this. <laughs> Later, everybody.